Good morning. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Good Race show where we do our devotions uh, together with each other and anybody who's willing to uh, do their daily devotions and commit to running the Good Race uh, with us. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. How are you, Dave? Excellent. So we're going to start today off like we do every episode with our daily proverb from Proverbs365.com. Today's Proverbs is chapter 19, verse 24 and 25. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. If you punish a mocker, the simple-minded will learn a lesson. If you correct the wise, they will be all the wiser. There you go. I don't think I've ever met someone is that lazy that they'd pick up food but not bring it to their mouth. What do you think? Um, I have been astonishingly lazy in my life. <laughs> I have I have spent days where, as I look back on the day, I realize I had two or three things I really needed to get done or hope to, and I watched 12 hours of television instead. Especially if some yeah, some binge-worthy show is on and I'm just... And I go, man, how did I just completely ruin that? And it happens a lot on the weekends where I've had a long week at work. I've got a lot to go. And then I say, well, I'm just going to do that little thing during the weekend. Um, this particular proverb has special meaning to me, though, because my dad used to tell me uh, this um, when I will uh, would be getting punished. So in the second verse, the first one talks about lazy people are so lazy, they don't even feed themselves, even though they have the ability to, right? The second one says, if you punish a mocker, the simple-minded will learn a lesson. So my dad used to think that I was so rebellious that he he wasn't sure that any of the punishments that he was doing was actually working. (laughs) So he basically conceded, you're already 12 or 13 years old and this spanking might not do anything to you. Like he's like, we've already had the same discussion so many times. Perhaps I'm wasting my breath. He's like, but I'm still going to spank you because your little brothers and sisters are going to learn a lesson because they're going to know, Oh, okay. So if I do what Dave did, then I'm going to get what Dave got. Yeah. So So you just called your brothers and sisters simple minded, I believe. Well, he didn't. Yeah. He, he was, well, they are simple minded, right? Cause they're still, yeah, they were children. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, that's interesting. Like I was always wondering, like, what does this mean? Like if you punish a mocker, the simple message, I'm sorry, the simple minded learn the lesson and it's like, okay, these are different people, right? Like, and so in this case you were the mocker and you didn't really care about the punishment. So you're not learning your lesson, but your brothers and sisters who are like seeing you getting a punishment they're like, ooh, we don't want that. Yeah, that's what happens when I have an attitude of mocking the rules and this doesn't uh, count. So so what it's saying is you punish everyone, right? So that's in right. The, if you correct the wise, if you correct the wise, they will be all the wiser. It's interesting. It's not punishing the wise. You correct the wise. So that's interesting. Right, so that, they, they can learn by being told. 
Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you're a wise person and someone says, hey, that's not right, here's the reasons, the wise person will learn. Yeah. The mocker who thinks he's above it and scoffs at the rules, eh, he's not going to learn no matter what you do to him. But you still do it so that those people who look on, they learn the lesson. <laughs> so, yeah, that was me growing up. That's funny. A little, little insight into my relationship with my dad <laughs> when I was a teenager. And he, he actually told you this, right? He's like, all the time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was all the time, but. What? He would, I mean, he would bring up this very proverb. Yes. That's great. There's a few proverbs that say you beat the fool so the simple will learn. You, be, you know, you punish the mocker and the simple minded will learn a lesson. Proverbs kind of goes back to that well a few times. Yeah. And um, yeah. So as we have a daily proverb, whenever we get something similar to that, <clears throat> we'll have a reference point. Yeah. There you go. So today is Amazing Monday. And on Amazing Monday, we like to bring uh, feel good stories or interesting stories. Uh, in this case, we've got a, a couple of short ones that we're going to bring you again from the Instagram account All Goods Co., All Goods Company, I assume. All Good Things Company. I don't want to say it wrong. All things good company. I didn't say it right even once, <laughs> but we want to give credit where credit's due. And all goods, all things good company is a or co is a great uh, account that um, has has got multiple times during the week. I'll I'll get an alert and I'll look at it and I'll think this is a worthwhile account. So we'll bring a couple uh, highlight that later in the show. Uh, but first, we're going to do our scripture reading, and again, we are in Romans. So Romans 2, 12 through 29 is when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And when the Jews who have done God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate the, that God's law is written in their hearts, for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. And that's Romans 2, 12 through 29. Wow, there's a, <clears throat> there's a lot in there. I don't think we quite made it to 29. So that was Romans 2, 12 through 16. Yes. Tomorrow yes. We'll, we'll finish it off. We, we were originally going to do it through 29, but I think there was so much in that first part that if we were to keep going, we might glass over too much. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so what, do, what do we see in here? It looks like that uh, whether you had the law or not, you're going to be judged by you know your secret life, right? Yeah, it's kind of going back to some of what we talked about last week. And that is, you know, the Jews were given the law by Moses, right? It was written down. 
We yeah. have the whole Old Testament law where everything was kind of laid out. If you're in this situation, then you have to do this. If you're in that situation, you have to do that. And so there's so many um, specifics and it was given to the Jews by God. But here it's saying when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. They weren't Jews. They didn't grow up with the, um, with the Jewish law, but they're still going to be judged by it. And the Jews who were given the law, they're going to be judged when they don't obey it. So yeah. it's kind of like the standard is universal. And it goes into saying, look, everybody has the law and they instinctively obey it. And yeah. this is the argument that we see all the time from certainly people who are uh, atheists and have an atheistic viewpoint is they say, I don't need your religion to tell me what's right and wrong. Yeah. And the Bible kind of supports that. I've heard Christians say, no, you have to have God and you have to have the law. Uh, otherwise you wouldn't know that killing is wrong or adultery is wrong. Right. It's kind of like if it wasn't, if it wasn't written down. Um, and I think the Christian is actually saying that if, if God hadn't made the law, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that. But, you know, to an atheist, they can't differentiate between what they were born with or what's common sense. Uh, because it says right here, every single person has that instinctive. Yeah. And they, I mean, and you get into the argument of whether or not like a moral law giver is required. Right. And, and what the atheist is saying is I don't need your God. Like I don't believe in your God, but I know what right and wrong is. And Christians are saying, yeah, the reason you know what right and wrong is, is because God put it in your heart and we need to have that. You know, Ravi Zacharias would always say, you know, in order to have right and wrong, you would have to have a moral lawgiver, right? That was, that was something he would always go to. Um, yeah. If there is a moral law, then that moral law had to come from somewhere and yeah. you can't justify the fact that we have this based on an evolutionary development because sort of the premise of evolution being a sort of the survival of the fittest. Well, it's the strongest that survive. It's the most self-seeking it's we are evolving to overcome our environment always. And so the ones that couldn't evolve or couldn't be the strongest would just get weeded out over time. And so yeah. it's almost counterintuitive that you would have this idea of a law of, you know, we know it's wrong to sleep with someone else's wife, right? Regardless, yeah. regardless if the outcome would be more humans, you know, perpetuating the species. <laughs> yeah. You know, we know it's, we, we know it's wrong to kill, not because yeah. of that person that we're killing is bad. We know that it's wrong to kill because we don't want to be killed. We put ourselves in the victim's shoes and there's yeah. no, there's no reason why a species that's trying to survive should, should be considering the, the victim or the lesser in my mind. Yeah. And there's even the argument that like, maybe not all cultures realize that it's wrong to kill, right? Like some, some cultures would say you love your neighbor and the other ones would say you eat your neighbor. Right. So it's, uh, it gets into really 
what where do we measure this this standard by right yeah but so what that's saying is that some cultures it sounds like you're saying that some cultures don't have the law written on their hearts well i think if you get down to it they would recognize that there is something wrong with killing someone uh they might try to justify it but I think deep down they do. But if we're saying that there is no moral law, well, then you have to decide who gets to decide what's right and wrong, right? Yep. Uh, you know, there there is a wide variety of opinions on what what morals we would we would adopt. We would choose for ourselves. Yeah. So and you would totally choose a different moral law for everyone else, right? Like my morals for what my conduct will be, will be different from what I expect of you. So. That's, um, that's, that's why it says in verse 16, that the day is coming when God through Jesus Christ will judge everyone's secret life. Exactly. Because the life that, you know, everyone knows and that you put out there is usually pretty good. There's not a lot of people trying to, um, there's certainly some, but there's there's not a lot of people trying to put out there that hey, I'm somebody who's a really terrible person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're all we're all doing our best to look good and yeah. to appeal to society, and we're trying to maintain good relationships. And so, you know, everybody that I know, as far as I know, is a you know, the, all my friends certainly are very stand up, good people. There's no reason for them to be judged, but. Um, as we see so oftentimes, sometimes the most beloved people have got secrets. Yeah. And there's, there's another side to them and that's what God's going to say. Look, yeah, you knew, and it'll be when it's, when it's just you and him, there's nobody to convince you can get society to kind of go along and go, okay, well, I guess if that's his truth, he can have it. But someday you're going to have to go. Yeah. Well, between me and you, you knew that wasn't right. Right. And I'll be like, yeah, I knew. <laughs> God, just between me and you, I, I had a hunch. I had, I was, I was leaning towards it was okay for a minute, but then I thought this is probably really bad. <laughs> now, I'm wondering, so there's oftentimes the question proposed that what do you do with someone that's never heard the name Jesus Christ, right? You have um, some tribe in the middle of the rainforest or um, Papua New Guinea. Uh, and they've just, they don't speak English. They don't speak any language that anyone else in the world would speak. They've never met anyone outside their tribe. They don't know the name of Jesus. What's the standard for them, right? And there's some glimmer of hope in this uh, section of the Bible for those people. Because it says, um, let's see, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law, so they don't have God's written law, even yep. the, uh, it shows that they they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts, either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. Um, so... So I don't think that this is salvation necessarily. I don't think that 
in this set of verses, we have a way for them to become saved. But it is definitely addressing the problem that these people, they wouldn't be completely left, left out, right? They have the ability to access God's law because God sort of hard-coded it on our hearts. Yeah, it's and, like anybody that you run into, you can be sure. Even if they don't have God's written law or they have never heard, they know. And so the gospel message would be very relevant to anybody because they're going to be able to pick up at the starting point that we're all in. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly what happens when that person, you know, lives until they're 80 and dies in the same jungle that they were born. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't actually have that answer, but I do know that, um, that God is just, and I know that whatever, um, when they're, when they're standing before God at the end, God will not be an unfamiliar person to them. There will, they are going to stand before their creator and the creator will judge them the same way he judge, he will judge everyone. And it will be right where they live. And it'll yeah. be right. It's not like, oh, well, no, who are you? No one ever told me there was you. It's like, no, yeah. they, 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 they were regularly encountering whatever it is that's judging them. <laughs> Yeah. And every knee is going to bow and it's going to, it's not, no one's going to be like, well, well some people are going to protest, but it's not going to hold any water. So. Yeah. And, and I think that we will come back to this particular well in the future as we go through Romans. I think this is a question that Romans sort of deals with. I don't think it directly deals with it, but, um, but I did speak with a man who was, uh, he was, he used to be a missionary, but then now he's kind of like, he goes around to meet with missionaries and sees what they're doing. Uh, and so what he would do is he had lots of exposure to tribes that really didn't have much exposure to people outside their tribe. Mm -hmm. He went into every one of these tribes and he would always ask just a couple of questions and he always got the same answers no matter where he went. And I'm, I'm trying to remember it. I might get this a little bit wrong, but he would ask them, do you have a story about a great flood? And no uh, matter where he was, they always had a story about a great flood. Okay. Hmm. No matter, no matter what tribe in the entire world, he went to many of them. They always had a tribe of a, about great, of a great flood, flood. And then he would ask, and I, this is the one that I don't remember if I have the perfect word, but he would ask them if they had a word for forgiveness. Hmm. And almost always there was no word for forgiveness in their community. Oh, you were saying there was no word. No word. Wow. Isn't that crazy? And yeah, I, that is crazy. I, I, have to reference my notes from that that seminar but but i think it was the word forgiveness that they that they were missing so very very interesting wow yeah well, all great. right so do you have uh, a report from what was the 
All the Things Good, good Co. All Things Good Co. That's a good company to be in. I think so. I mean, it's a good one. Um, so <clears throat> I got two. Okay. One is from Australia. This person said, I had a mate who worked in one of the bigger Lifeline stores in Australia. Lifeline store is like a pawn shop. Oh, okay. Or a, um, like a thrift store kind of thing. People, not, not a pawn shop where you sell, but like, like a Goodwill type of a store. Okay. Salvation Army, Goodwill. Yeah. Okay. A woman came into the store with five large, clear plastic storage boxes and asked to donate them. Okay. The person looked inside the boxes and it was thousands of beautifully hand-painted Warhammer pieces. So Warhammer a- is like a board game. Okay. Kind of, and I, it's, I've not played it, but I get the impression it's kind of like Pokemon or something where you're collecting various things because. So I've, I've seen, I have a friend who does this and they're these little miniature things. They're mm-hmm. like, like two inches tall and they, they carefully make them and then they paint them and uh, he even 3d prints some of them, but, uh, but they're, they're, they're beautiful things. So, yeah. So. And so they're, these were beautifully hand painted. And so the guy was shocked and asked her, why are you donating them? And she said they were her sons and she just couldn't keep them in the house anymore since his death. So obviously this was his passion project. And this, this guy said he could not accept the donation. He said the whole collection was worth a lot of money. So the mom didn't have a clue. And he said, well, look, I'll, I'll sell it. I'll sell it for you. And so she agreed after his shift, he went home and took the photos, took photos of all the pieces and posted online in uh, various forums. And within a couple of weeks, everything got sold. Oh, wow. He called her. She met him at the store and he had sold the, he'd sold all his stuff for $12,000. Wow. She was just going to give away. And this guy could have, you know, taking it. So she cried. She offered him to give him half. She says, I'll split the, I'll split the winnings with you because you know, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. And she said, and and this person said, Nope, he refused to take anything from her. And then she decided that she would donate the half that she was going to give him to a suicide charity because I guess her son committed suicide. That's great. Yeah. In a world where it's all about the hustle, right? Respect the hustle. You know, everybody's (laughs) trying to get the, get the edge and it's sort of like, well, Hey, I'm getting paid. That's, that's the justification for everything Mm -hmm. here. This person had an opportunity. This lady goes here. I can't have this in my house. It was my son's passion and he's dead. And the guy goes in and does the work to sell this stuff to, and then hands her the whole, the whole kit and caboodle 12 grand. And the guy works at a thrift store. Yeah. (laughs) It's not like we're talking about, um, you know, and the CEO of the company refused to keep the $12,000. It was like, no, the guy works at a thrift store. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the hourly rate of a thrift store employee is in Australia, but I'm sure 12 grand would have been a nice little, um, a A nice little find. 
Yeah. And let's face it, like when you work at a thrift store, you know that one of the perks of the job is that you get first dibs on some of the stuff that gets brought in there, right? Like like you you're looking for, you know, the I don't know, the uh the new leather jacket from the late 1980s you get the first shot at that right like it's got the zippers everywhere and stuff um so you know it's like when you have a box full of warhammer figurines in it and you realize it has value a lot of people would just be like i just won right yeah like, starting a, this is my new business yeah i'm gonna buy it from the thrift store and then i'm gonna sell it online for 12 grand yeah exactly so Anyway, I, I was that was very heartwarming, and it was sad that her son committed suicide. Yeah, but a good job from so the guy. A, yeah, and it is it is nice that the that the lady, you know, got something, uh, something to remember. That her her son did do a pretty cool thing with those pieces. So the uh, the second one yeah. is a very short one, and I just thought it was hilarious because this is a teacher who overheard a conversation between two second grade boys. One of the boys asked the other, do you think you'll ever fall in love? And the second answered, I don't know. I think if she likes pancakes, then probably. <laughs> so, <laughs> when I was in second grade, I would have said, no, gross. But... <laughs> this guy's more practical. He's like, what are the odds? Everybody's married. So, <laughs> but we got to have some stuff in common and that's, that's pretty paramount. Got to love pancakes. Pretty high up there for a second grader, I suppose. I agree. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for joining me on Monday, Steve. We'll see you tomorrow where we will commit to, to running the good race and we'll continue today as well. Run as if to get the prize. All right. Keep running. Cheers. Bye.